0: Thank you, Brother Lednecki, and it is a a real joy and privilege of mine to be to be back here today and to minister in this uh, in this chapel service. Appreciate the Ledneckis and their ministry over the past now almost twenty-one years. And uh, I was just thinking as I was sitting there on the platform that I have served on on the presbytery. Uh, of the Southern Missouri District now for about 23 years. So we've, we've had the privilege of, of watching their lives and, and being a part of Central Bible College and, and uh, interviewing uh, over the years the hundreds of students here that... ...beginning their ministry and moving out from here. Some of them staying in southern Missouri, others moving on out to other uh, districts. But we've had the privilege of being a part of their lives, and, and it is an honor. And we we simply want to say thanks to Brother and Sister Lednicki for their many, many years of faithful, uh, faithful ministry. They've always been the same, I, and they've just they've just been so steady... And that, that says so much, and especially, I guess, when you have the privilege of serving in, in uh, leadership positions, you get to know the importance of steadiness, of, of simply being faithful. I want to express appreciation to the faculty, to the staff as well, for your commitments into the lives of so many wonderful students not only now, but also through the years. So it is an honor for us to be here today and to be a part of this service, and we trust that we will be able to share something that will be of a blessing to your heart and to your life, and not only a source of encouragement, but perhaps a challenge that, that will help you in the days to come. I'd like to say so much today, but due to the time frame and what I want to share with you, I want to move uh, right on into the Word today. But if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to an old story found in the book of Judges, chapter 7, and I'd like to read verses 2 through 8. Would you mind standing just for the reading of the word, and then we'll have prayer, and then you may, you may be seated. Chapter 7, begin reading at verse 2. You're all familiar with this whole story. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many. For me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand... And there remained ten thousand And the Lord said unto Gideon The people are yet too many Bring them down unto the water And I will try them for thee there And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee This shall go with thee The same shall go with thee And of whomsoever I say unto thee This shall not go with thee The same shall not go So he brought down the people unto the water And the Lord said unto Gideon Every one that lappeth of the water with the tongue, with his tongue, as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, every one that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lapped will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine thine hand, and let all the other people go, every man unto his place. So the people took victuals in their hand and their trumpets, and he he sent all the rest of Israel, every man, unto his tent, and retained those three hundred men. And the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. Lord, thank you for your word today that we have had the privilege of reading. We ask that you would take it and anoint our hearts with it. We pray, God, that you would help us to see the truths of your word this morning. But Lord, not only help us to see the truths, but God, would you also help us to apply them to our lives as we have need of them today. I ask that you would anoint your servant today as we endeavor to minister your word, realizing that we do not take this assignment lightly. We recognize the importance Of this time together with these students and with this faculty. We ask that your anointing would rest upon us and help us. Help us to communicate. Help us to share what is upon our hearts and our lives today. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning for the time that i have i want to really speak out of out of my heart and share with you some things that that god has has given to me and just simply allowed me to to see and i want to share them with you today and i don't know that i would necessarily have uh, title for the message today I just simply want to share Three observations To help us In our walk with God That I see From this old story That we have read this morning Several years ago There was a man by the name of Dr. James Brown He's in the with the Lord now But uh, at this time he was the Executive Vice President, and I believe it was at that time called the uh, Graduate School. Now, of course, the Assemblies of God uh, Seminary. But he said something. He was speaking down at our campground, uh, one of our camp meeting speakers that particular year. And he made a statement I've never forgotten. He says that the professors at the Graduate School, he says they will teach the lesson, and then they will give the test. But he says many times God will give the test and then teach the lesson. And I've seen that happen time and time again, not understanding why we go through certain tests, certain trials. But after we get on the other side, we look back and we can can understand. He's, He's taught us the lesson. This is a test that was given to those that are in our text today, Gideon and the people there. Three observations, very simple, not profound. Number one, God wants us to never forget wherein our strength lies. Secondly, God wants a total commitment. From us. Thirdly, God uses those most who keep their focus upon him and they are not distracted with the other things of the world. So simple. First one I find in verse 2 that simply says, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many. For me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves or boast themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. In other words, their confidence was not to be in their own numbers, was not to be in their own strength, was not to be in their own wisdom or anything of the kind. The reduction of the host was to prove that the victory belonged to God and not to man. And folks, it is still that way today. It has not changed. And I believe there is a question that, that we need to ask ourselves even in this hour. Where is the churches? And where is the confidence of ours today? What what are we basing our confidence on? Is it in the worldwide organization or or the machinery of good works or or the traditions that we have, and many of them are wonderful, good traditions that that we need to keep, is it in the Prestige of General Assemblies, or the strategies, or our public relations, or the use of the most up-to-date uh, media, uh, mass media for the propagation of the gospel, and a lot of things we could insert here, and all of this has a a great part to play, a large part, in fact. But that is not where our dependence of success should lie. The one asset. That we possess, which gives us the right to exist, to to operate, to function, to have success, is still in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is still the supreme figure. And it is to be through Him and for Him and, and because of Him that we do all things. I'm grateful for what is happening in the assemblies of God. I could tell you wonderful things that's happened here and among our 380 some odd churches and 1,250 credential ministers that that hold their credentials and as a part of this district. And, and I was almost blown away at the celebration. 2000 last year there in Indianapolis and on that Tuesday night when the various ministries and missionaries walked in, I could not hardly stand on my feet with the emotions that ran through me as I recognized anew and afresh the blessings that that has been upon this fellowship only in about, what, 85 plus years, but has brought this fellowship to, what, 30. 5 million people worldwide and last year alone George Wood stood and told us that worldwide there was over there were 16,000 new churches started just last year 3 million people added to the fellowship last year worldwide I could not comprehend all of that but nevertheless We need to recognize all of that is wonderful, but it is still because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's where it's at. It's where it's always been. It's where it's at now. Zechariah 4 and 6 says, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit saith the Lord of hosts. God wanted them, wanted to show them that victory was not to be in their own strength or in their own wisdom, but in God's. It has not changed. There's a second point here, an observation that I want us to see. And that is that God wants us to make a total commitment. Verse 3 says, Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. I read this some time ago. God dropped into my heart a, a tremendous challenge there were men that were present here at this time the 30 what 32,000 who really probably did not want to be there and probably should not have been there now I don't know what brought them there it's not detailed in every way but perhaps it was a mere gust of emotion that had, that had swept them in, that had brought them there. It was good to see the old flag flying, good to be in the, with this surging crowd, good to have found the leader. But what they had not asked, what in fact they had never thought of asking perhaps was, where is he likely to lead us? When they stopped to think of that and when they were given the opportunity to return back according to the scriptures. The Bible says that 22,000 of them left and went home. You turn the pages of scripture to the gospels and you see it all repeated. How the crowds flocked to Jesus when the standard was first raised in Galilee. His personality and his teaching fascinated them. Never a man spake like this man, they said. This was new. This was a thrill that they had never experienced before. This was potential leadership at its highest. This was the way to the, to the kingdoms of this world and, and the glory of them. And They said, Lord, we will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. But they had not stopped to ask, where is he going to lead us? All through the scriptures, we see those that turned away and went back. And I was going to share some scriptures in John chapter 6, and we'll not have the time to do that. But nevertheless, Jesus turned to the disciples and said, "Will you also go away?" And I've looked at this and I've sat down in my own times of, of devotions. And I've asked, and I've asked myself this question. Even after all of these years, I have reevaluated this question. I believe it's a fair question that we need to ask ourselves as students and even as faculty. When we answered the call to the ministry and as we travel through life in the ministry, we need to ask ourselves where, where is it going to lead us? I sat down one day and I just wrote down some simple questions that perhaps we need to ask ourselves. What will we be called on to go through as the Lord leads us? What size church will he lead me to? My first church, first service, had 16 little apropical school building, been moved in on a foundation, one room. For our Sunday school classes, we pulled two curtains, one down the middle this way and one this way. We had a class over here, a class over here, and a class up here. Wasn't all bad. If you wasn't getting a whole lot out of a teacher teaching your class, just tune that one out and tune the one in on the other side. (laughs) Small beginning. What kind of people will they be that we will be led to? Will they be easy to get along with? Will they be hard to get along with? How much teaching and discipling will they need? How much patience will I need? How much grace and mercy will they need? How long will it take? How much sacrifice will it take? It's a good question to ask ourselves even now. Where is he likely to lead us? Then the second question would be, are we willing to go? Are we willing to pay the price, whatever it is? And like I say, he asked the disciples, will ye also go away? There's a third observation, and I am i know I'm moving a little quick. But God wants us to keep our focus, and I see this in this story. Our focus upon him and not be distracted with other things of lesser value. In verses 4 through 7, there ensued that strange discriminating process at the river. It's a marvelous story. I'm sure you've all studied it read, it, read it many times. When they reached the river, the great bulk of the men knelt down to drink, heeding not the possibility of, of an ambush. But there were some, the real soldier spirits, who, as the writer of Judges tells us, simply lapped up a few handfuls of water, never once relaxing their watch, never once taking their eyes off of Gideon, their, their leader ready to spring to action and to attention in an instant. And God setting aside all of the others, the Bible tells us, singled out that eager and that that disciplined 300 and said to Gideon, these are your men. There they are. And I've looked at that and I thought these 300 were not chosen because they were heroes But because even while they paused to drink the water, their eyes were fixed on on Gideon. They were focused on that which was most important. And today when Christ's campaign is on when the enemy is not the Midianites but rather unseen principalities that the Bible tells us and and the powers lurking lurking in the darkness, waiting for the unguarded moments, there is one thing for sure. We need to fix our eyes upon our leader, the Lord Jesus Christ. Focus our attention only upon him. It is so easy to get caught up in good things, even important things, and not give adequate attention to those things that are most important. I realize that we must give time to study in God's Word for sermons. But the question is, do we spend time in our own personal devotions, our own personal good and life and strength. I realize that we spend time praying with people, but the question is, do we spend time praying by ourselves and for ourselves? Do we have a designated time to spend with God for our own spiritual well-being? I've said down time and time again. As a district superintendent, I've asked myself those questions, myself those questions. I have the privilege of, of encouraging and talking to so many. But the question that I must ask, do I practice what I preach? It's important that we practice what we preach that we live what we say i cannot i, I wish i could open my heart and let you let you see what i f- feel this morning there are so many that are losing their focus I don't know what brought them in, but they have felt, they've sensed that call upon their life. But I've seen so many that have lost the focus, and they lose out, and they lose their testimony. It's important that we keep our focus upon Christ. Have a presbyter's meeting scheduled for this Thursday. Have a young man that got on the internet and got involved in pornography, and we've got to we've got to deal with that this coming Thursday. Lost his focus. Monday night, this last Monday night, I met with a congregation, and for several hours we tried to find some resolutions to the problem, to the division that was there. And I walked, I drove into my drive at 12.30 Tuesday morning. People lost their focus. Last Friday, one of our, I will not use any names, but one of our young youth pastors I was with my wife and I was with my daughter my cell phone rang one of our executive presbyters said brother Moore did you know that so and so has been arrested and he's in jail I said I've not heard about it I stopped by Saturday I was going through the town where he's in jail and I stopped by the jailhouse. and tried to see him but because of the rules I could not get in to see him he was arraigned yesterday a large bond set looks like he's going to be in jail for quite some time has a wife and has three small children police came in confiscated the computers at the church the man is hurting all because he lost his focus got involved with him a young lady that was underage I only say that I hesitated to even tell it I want you to see the importance of keeping your focus upon the call and upon the God of the call of your life has reached down where you were, ask that you give your life to preach the gospel, set you apart almighty calling of God been placed upon your life it's important no higher call in the world but that but you can lose it and it can cost you greatly unless you keep your focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ be one of those that will always focus Upon the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm through. Never forget wherein our strength lies. Make a total commitment to the Lord. Keep your focus. Years ago, there was a teacher here at the school, I understand that used to. Share some words that simply went something like this. Let us plod, steadily plod, all along life's way. Zeal may fire, hope inspire, but plod will win the day. Keep on plodding. God help us to keep on plodding. Keep our focus. Would you stand with me, please? In response to this, and in closing today, I'd like for us to lift our voices. I'd like for us to lift our hands. And I'd like for us simply make a fresh new commitment to the Lord. Faculty, district superintendent, college president, all of us. God, with your help, I'm not going to forget where my strength is. God, with your help, I make a total commitment to you. And God, with your help, I will always keep my focus upon you. Would you do that with me, please? Father, we make that commitment this morning. Realizing, God, that our strength does not lie in ourselves. But our strength lies within you. It's your grace. It's your mercy. It's your love. It's your power, not ours. God, we make that commitment today that whatever it takes, we're going to stay faithful to you. Regardless of what others may do or others may not do, I will Remain faithful. God, that is my desire. That is my commitment unto you. Help us. Use us. Use us, Lord, to touch this world and to change the world wherein you place us. May we be faithful. May we be found faithful, Lord, in Christ's name. Hallelujah.